What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at thepewterplank.com and follow us on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at thepewterplank, at jyarko underscore bucks, and at dh82 underscore bucks. David, we are going to jump right into it with the football news that has everybody on the edge of their seat. The return of Vince McMahon and the XFL. I am all in. Are, what? How about you? I'm excited. I can't wait to see what he does and and how he how he learns from his mistakes. Like you like you said, uh, well, you know, pre-recording, we were talking about this, and you said it, it seems like he's really learned from a lot of his mistakes, and and I agree. So really looking forward to see what kind of product they can put on the field. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I caught a brief amount of the press conference that he was doing and then read a little bit here and there. And it, he's very taking a very professional approach to this. It's not an extension of world wrestling entertainment. He's taking this very seriously. Um, you know, one of the problems with the XFL, and I don't know if, if any of, of you listening did not see that 30 for 30 on the XFL. It is fascinating absolutely fascinating i highly recommend it but one of the big problems with the xfl was of course that was during the attitude era of the wwf at the time so then you had the cross promotion you had wrestlers showing up at the games you had wrestlers doing the play-by-play and you had the barely dressed women on network television and it just it was it was a hot mess but a lot of the innovations that he had in the XFL, we use in the NFL today. So it wasn't all for naught. And I think the, the new professional approach and kind of filling a void with people that are upset with the NFL and miss watching football, he's he's always been opportunistic. So hopefully Vince McMahon can get this thing going and uh, we can have football all year long. But this is not the Locked On XFL podcast. However, I might be interested in throwing that one. And you know, just just saying, I'll, I'll be a guest. I'll, I don't want to host it, but I'll be a guest. I, I would enjoy that. <laughs> I don't know, come 2019, like um, we might have time to host another one. Oh God, I don't have enough time as it is. <laughs> um, David, our our focus today is going to be on the polarizing captain of the Buccaneers that is Gerald McCoy. It seems like everybody either loves him or hates him. There's no middle ground. People want to trade him. You know, there are those of us with sensibility that realize how terrible of an idea that is. But Rick Stroud spoke to Gerald McCoy at the Pro Bowl, and McCoy touched on a couple of topics, one of which being the leadership of the Buccaneers and the other being the aforementioned uh trade mccoy group on social media so real quick i want to i want to read a quote from gerald mccoy and then we're going to dive into the uh, the conversation about it and mccoy said quote the leaders on the team myself Quan, Jameis, mike evans josh robinson levante were all team captains if you're a captain or just the leaders. It's our job to make sure it gets done. And I think we did. It's not like we lacked it. We just have, we've just got to hold more guys accountable. The coaches, they can't always do it. 
I talked to Sap and Brooks, and one thing they did, they did it. They took it over. We've got to do a better job of taking it over. A lot of what I'm saying is it's my fault. Things didn't go the way they were supposed to go, but we're going to face that. McCoy went on to say, quote, here's the thing about social media. I'm not very involved in it in season. So after the season, I see a lot more. And it's not that I care what these people say. I saw a guy yesterday and I responded because I think a lot of this stuff is funny. I don't want you guys to take me responding as I really care what these people say, because a lot of these people are, for lack of a better word, idiots. And I might get some backlash for saying that, but I don't care because their diagnosis for not knowing anything that goes on in an NFL locker room. End quote. For the rest of that interview, of course, you can check out Rick Stroud's column at tampabay.com for the, um, the Tampa Bay Times. So, David, first and foremost, the, the first thing that McCoy was talking about is the leadership of the team, as he mentioned himself, Quan Levante, um, Jameis, Mike, Josh Robinson, you know, these team captains have to be able to hold players accountable in the locker room, off the field, on the field. And he's basically saying we didn't do a good enough job of holding our teammates accountable, holding ourselves accountable. And that's where some of these things went wrong. And of course the trade McCoy group is going to spin that into, you know, he's not a good enough leader if he's not doing these kinds of things and you know, this, that, and the other thing, but how many other players in the NFL are going to step up and say, you know what, this is on me. I need to do a better job of this. Yeah, and I love Gerald McCoy, and I'll defend him until I can't breathe anymore. But one of the things that bothers me about him is that he says all the right things, but then doesn't tend to back it up from what we can see. Like last year, he he was talking about you know speaking with other players at the Pro Bowl about what he needs to do better. We didn't really see it translate, but I mean. Gerald McCoy's production didn't drop off at all. He was still the best defensive player on the team. And that that even goes with Levante having an out-of-his-mind season. But what was your takeaway from, from Gerald's leadership stance as far as holding other people accountable? Like you mentioned before, um, you know, we, we've heard this before, not just from Gerald, but from other other leaders on the team. And, you know, we, we don't see what happens in the locker room when the, when the doors are closed. You know, even even, you know, the guys that work for the team and, and you know, the guys at, at, the, at the, the newspapers and, and the P report and all that stuff, they get their media time and and their locker room time and their press conference time. But there's a lot of of activity that goes behind goes on behind closed doors. And unless you know there's a leak in the organization or a player just outright, you know, coming out and saying, this is what's going on. Um, we don't really get a view of that, but the, the impression of it, you know, which take it for what it's worth really is just at this point, it, it kind of feels more like lip service than it does action. And that's, you know, I'm a huge Gerald McCoy supporter. Um, I try to squash, um, <clears throat> excuse me, not every 
McCoy basher because there's too many of them uh, to to put down. But, you know, I'll, I'll, if you catch me at the right time or I, I come across your tweet at the right time or you come at me directly, um, we'll, we'll, we'll likely have a conversation until you start, you know, calling names or something like that. Um, huge, I'm a huge Gerald McCoy guy. But at the end of the day, you know, leadership is not about taking public blame. Like that's certainly something a leader should do is, you know, put it on my back, let me carry the burden. But that's not the end all be all of leadership. You can't just come out into the press and say, this is on me. This is on Quan. This is on James. This is on Mike. You know, we got to, we got to make it better. Well, okay, you do. And saying that the first time, like it's appreciative. It's okay. You're taking this role seriously and you want it and you're, you're all about it. Saying it the second time, it's okay. You know, maybe this time it's sunk in, but the third, fourth, fifth, sixth time, like it, it's the same story, but it's not translating onto the field, which means it's either not working um, from a leadership standpoint, or it's not actually being acted upon. It's just one of those buzzwords and, and, you know, not ever being a, a star NFL player myself, I can't necessarily relate directly, but I mean, you get asked a lot of these questions a lot of times where, you know, there's only the cliche answer and the wrong answer. So you either give the cliche answer or you give an answer that just kind of sets the world on fire around you. And, you know, who really wants to deal with that kind of stuff? So coming from that standpoint, like I said, I mean, talk, the talk, the time for talking at that piece is over. It's been passed. It's, it's done. You know, um, it's time to kind of start seeing those things happen on the field. And then, you know, and we may have got a glimpse of that towards the end of the season, um, not to kick a, a you know, a, a horseman when, uh, when it's down or anything like that. But when Chris Baker had that horrendous penalty against the Carolina Panthers, you know, Gerald immediately kind of came up, you know, threw his arms in the air, looked at him, said some words. Levante immediately stepped up from the linebacker position and was barking behind him in his ear. I think Quan was as well. So, you know, that's a case where you did see those three guys right there on on the spot. You know, uh, this this isn't a you know you're all professionals on the field. This isn't about embarrassing you. It's not about upstaging you. If you're a leader on the team, you're someone who holds each, holds everybody accountable, including yourself. And your feelings aren't a part of it. You know, it, it's not about friendships. It's not about you know making sure the other guy likes you. Now, of course, you want that at the end of the day. If you could be you know, best friends with every guy on the roster, that that'd be the ideal situation. But at the end of the day, if you're a leader, you're more concerned about that guy knowing when they did when they did well, when they did wrong and how to fix what they did wrong and understanding that they are going to be held accountable to the team. So hopefully that was kind of a sign of things to come. And, you know, the outburst on the sideline maybe was a little bit more of that as well. Um, but as much as, as as it has to do with stepping up and correcting deficiencies in bad times, it also has to do with kind of tempering expectations when when there's there's good times and uh i know not a lot of people you know enjoy the patriots and i'm not necessarily you know, i'm not flying any patriots flag in my house anytime soon but something that tom brady has kind of always been able to do is kind of temper his own expectations so that when they come out and they struggle in a first half or when they come out and let a jacksonville jaguars team get a multiple score lead on them in an afc championship game they're not taken back they're not stumbling on their heels against the ropes because they didn't come into it believing it was going to be an easy win in the first place and that's how they're able to keep driving keep going and keep you know uh putting on the pressure so that when the other team decides that they're they're gonna back off a little bit that's when the Patriots go for the jugular so 
just you know just differences there and and you see it across the nfl there are teams you know like like you look at you know the pittsburgh steelers you look at the leaders on their team when things are going wrong for the pittsburgh steelers there's really not a personality on that team that you can look to and say that's the guy that's going to rally the troops you know um that's why mike tomlin you know there's there's some speculation about guys within the organization wanting his job you know and all and all that stuff and i don't think that's going to happen but you know, that's the kind of things that can erode a team from the inside when you don't have that voice and that that voice of reason and that leader who's going to temper expectations in the good time, raise performance in the bad time, you know. And whether it's Gerald, whether it's Quan, whether it's Levante, hell, whether it's Justin Evans, you know, I don't really care where it comes from. It just needs to come from somewhere and someone. Uh, so hopefully, you know, Gerald means it and it, it comes to fruition this time around. But if not, you know, uh, I don't care if it's Bradley Chubb that that comes on and does it. Someone just needs to be that guy to to be the general on the defense. And the C on your chest doesn't make you the general; it just gives you the opportunity to be the first guy to to become that general. So that's kind of what I thought about it. Yeah, and you know everything that you said one hundred percent makes sense. I can't. I couldn't really. You know, I was actually looking for something to disagree with you about because I think we've agreed on just about everything recently. And we didn't get to have our massive coaching argument that we thought we were going to have. Um, but I think, I think you nailed it. And, you know, Gerald, he's, he's a stand-up guy. He always has been, he always will be. So he's always going to be that guy that, that takes it on his shoulders. And as you said, you know, it seems like lip service right now, but then, you know, there was that, that example that you pointed out in the Carolina game where down the stretch, the leaders did seem to be taking, that step to kind of hold somebody more accountable. And, and I know Gerald especially held, uh, held Chris Baker responsible because he, he came out and said after the game, he goes, I told him in the huddle not to jump. Like I, I told him this was coming and he did it anyway. So, you know, it's, it's refreshing to hear him talk about these kinds of things, but at the same time, I, I want to see, the changes that he's talking about. I want to see it come to fruition because as soon as it comes to fruition, you're going to have a successful team. The talent is there. There's just, there's just something not clicking with this team. And and yeah, of course they have holes, you know, throughout the roster. I'm not saying that this is the most talented team or the most complete team, but they have far more talent than a, than a five win football team. So I want to see these things come to fruition for the Bucks and McCoy. David, do you know what happens in nine days? Um, there's a football game. There's a big football game. And you know what? It's time to cash in big and bet on that game at mybookie.ag. If you haven't checked them out, this is the perfect time to get in on the action. If you have a hunch on who's going to win the coin toss, what color the Gatorade's going to be, the over-under on the national anthem, the first person to catch the ball, the first person to score a touchdown, the, you know, there are so many prop bets that even though somebody like me who hates the Patriots and hates the Eagles, I can make this game entertaining for myself by heading over to mybookie.ag and betting on all the different possibilities. You log on now, you check out the prop bets, and you get in on the action. You don't just watch the game, 
lay down some money and actually get emotionally invested in it. Join me as well as thousands of online players and start betting at mybookie.ag. MyBookie is the industry-leading online sports book, and its players enjoy the fastest payouts in the business when they win. I would only recommend a service that's been good to me as well as our listeners. And that's why I urge you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. No hassles. You're you're wasting your time betting anywhere else. They even have in-game live betting so you can place bets after kickoffs. If we had been involved in mybookie.ag last year's Super Bowl, how much money do you think we would have won? If we had bet on the Patriots to win the game when they were down 28 to three with three minutes left in the third quarter. A ton. Yeah, I'm betting we would have made a lot of money. But those are the kinds of in-game bets that you can do. So make sure that you join now and you score free cash to place your Super Bowl wagers. Right now, my bookie is giving away up to a thousand dollars. To every new player, you sign up today and you get an instant 50% bonus on your first deposit. So if you have $50 that you want to gamble with on the Super Bowl, throw $5 at this prop bet, $10 at this bet, they're going to throw you an extra 25 bucks. So now you got $75 that you get to play with. So if you join with $100, you'll get $150. You want to join with $500, you're going to get $750 to play with. You just have to use the promo code LOCKED ON. That's L O C K E D O N to activate the offer. You play, you win, and you get paid. The other thing, David, that I want to talk about regarding Gerald McCoy, and I know you want to jump over to uh, something about Deshaun Jackson, and, and we want to make sure that we touch on that before we run out of time, is the continued frustration I have with, as Gerald calls them, idiots on social media who keep talking about trading him. And I saw another one today and it just made me cringe that somebody said, we should trade Gerald McCoy for the Browns number four pick. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing, guys. If you are one of the people that want to trade Gerald McCoy, I will have that conversation with you. I doubt by the end of it, you're going to agree with me or I will agree with you, but we can have a normal, level-headed conversation about it. However, if you come to me and say, of course we should trade Gerald McCoy for a first-round pick, I'm going to laugh at you. (laughs) If you believe that Gerald McCoy is worth a first-round pick, and especially if you believe that Gerald McCoy is worth the number four pick in the draft to the Browns, then why would you want to trade him? It does not make any sense. If he's that valuable, why get rid of him? What you're saying is you think McCoy isn't good enough to be on the team or isn't living up to whatever your expectations are and he should be unloaded So if you think he should be traded, if you think he's not good enough, what makes you think that another team is going to value him 
at a first round pick in compensation. It is the most hypocritical backwards thinking I have ever seen. The NFL trade market is probably the most, how can I phrase it? You, you are not going to get the value on the trade market that a player is worth. Draft picks are too highly sought after. They're too valued to warrant fair compensation in player trades. That's why you don't see these trades happen often. This isn't baseball where you you have a trade deadline day and 15 trades go down because you have four teams that you can pluck from to send to another team and give them hope for their future. This isn't the NBA where you can just plug and play. The NFL is a totally different entity. And the value on players when it comes to draft pick compensation is not equal. At best, as good as Gerald McCoy is, he would warrant a third round pick, in my opinion, at top value. I don't think there are too many players in the NFL that would get a first round pick as compensation in a draft. Tom Brady wouldn't get a first round pick. There is not a franchise in the NFL that would give up a first round pick for Tom Brady. No. Because he's 40 years old. Yeah, he's the greatest of all time. He's 40. Draft picks are too valued. So that's that's my soapbox. I'm going to get down off of it if, if you want to throw in your two cents. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of name calling. Um, I, I try to stay away from it, especially on social media when I interact with people. But Gerald McCoy is is a different animal, you know, and 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 he he hears it from from all different levels, and he's he's shown the fans and he's shown everybody, you know, on on several occasions that he's listening. He he knows what's being said, and he's not hiding from the fact that he knows what's being said. He's letting everybody know that he hears it, he reads it. Um, I don't think he lets he necessarily lets it get to him too much, but you know uh the 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 phrase idiots is is not you know an endearing phrase obviously but i mean the the guy is is consistently voted amongst his peers as one of the best you know the pro bowl appearances are there and 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 all that and and a lot of people criticize him you know he's never had a double digit sack year and so on and so forth but i mean there's been there's been film film you know uh, freeze frames caught of, of his get off on the on the offense or the uh, against offensive lines i mean there's literally literally one from earlier this season i think it was against the packers where he his shoulders his shoulder pads are behind the guard's shoulder pads and the guard doesn't even look like he's moved from his stance yet that's how yeah. fast mccoy is off the line i mean the the guy is he's a talent that doesn't come around very often, you know, uh, and, and he's not appreciated as, as much as he should be, you know, to be, to be quite honest with you by the general fan base. Now there are plenty of guys out there who love Ger- Gerald McCoy and don't want to see him, you know, anywhere else, but Tampa. And so it's not the whole fan base, but there are definitely those, like you said, um, you know, that person 
talking about fourth round dra- or a, for, a fourth overall pick. Um, again, I mean, Gerald's going to be 30 years old this time next month. You know, February 25th, Gerald McCoy turns 30 years old. Uh, you're, you're not getting a number four overall pick for Gerald McCoy. And if you think you can get a number four overall pick for Gerald McCoy, that means you've got one of the best players in the National Football League on your team. So why would you want to get rid of him? Because he's not a addition by subtraction guy. You take Gerald McCoy off your roster, you are subtracting by subtraction. Um, if, if that person you draft in that in that place happens to turn into a pro bowler, that's fine. But you're talking another three seasons before that player really hits their groove, and you've got a guy right now who's consistently one of the best in the league. So it does it doesn't make any sense. Um, and, and like you said, draft capital, right? Like the value on draft picks is is so high. The only time a team is going to make one of these moves where it's just a player for a pick is a team like the Patriots that we saw last year trading a first round pick for a guy like Brandon Cooks, and they're doing it because they know their window's closing. The Patriots know that the Tom Brady era is coming to an end and the Bill Belichick era is likely coming to an end with it. And so if they're going to get rings, they're going to need to get them like right now. So the Patriots, that trade right there, when they made, when they traded that first round pick for Brandon Cooks, what that tells you is they're focused on today. They're not focused on the future as of right now. They're focused on today. And they may come back this year and make some trades that turn the focus back into the future. You know, but um, bringing Brandon Cooks on was all about trying to give Tom Brady some some extra some extra lethality to his offense to kind of help them get back to the position they're in now, and it worked. You know, I mean, Brandon Cooks didn't set the world on fire, but he and and the offense did enough that they're obviously back in the Super Bowl, so they were able to achieve their goal. The 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 Cleveland Browns are not a Gerald McCoy away from being Super Bowl contenders. You know, I mean. Uh, I don't know. Like when you when you look across the landscape of the league, I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars were, were so close to to getting into the Super Bowl themselves. Like they might give up a first round pick for you know. I'm trying to think uh, quickly here. Let, let me let's go through kind of the list. You know, like a Carson Wentz, they'll give you a first round pick for Carson Wentz. But okay, he's a young guy. When you're talking about veterans, I mean, I'm I'm struggling to find a veteran quarterback that I think the the Jacksonville Jaguars might be real, might be willing to sell a first round pick for because they think they're that close to getting to the Super Bowl. Can you think of one? I don't know if I can think of one. Um maybe Breeze. Yeah. But again, there you, you have like the age issue. Yeah, you have um, the age issue there, but maybe that Matt Ryan maybe like maybe they Cam. ship a first rounder. Yeah, for Cam maybe they they ship a first rounder to Carolina for Cam and Carolina essentially goes into a rebuild and Jacksonville gets a quarterback they think can win with their team right now. That that Russell might be Wilson. a situation. But you can't show me a team across the NFL landscape that is a defensive tackle away from winning the Super Bowl. And that's not no. to devalue Gerald McCoy's position, but that's just the fact of the NFL right now. Your Super Bowl contenders already have top-of-the-line defenses. Defense wins championships, right? That's not a saying that is, is out there for no reason. So you look at the Vikings, you look at the Jaguars, you look at even the Eagles. You know, could the Eagles benefit from Gerald McCoy? Of course they could, but they've got a young nucleus and they're going to benefit a lot more from using their first round, second round draft picks on the other young guys to bring into the league than they are getting a Gerald McCoy for what's probably five years of of, of pretty good play before he starts his decline, you know? So 
it it doesn't make any sense. And then on top of it, you talk about his cap number. You know, he's he's getting what I think twelve million against the cap this year. Um, some of these teams just don't have that. I mean, the Browns do. You know, that's like ten percent of their cap space. But uh, well, and and I mean, that's another huge part of it. If you're giving up these these picks with the with the rookie wage scale, you have a certain amount of money that you you have to pay these rookies, and it's team friendly. You're not mm-hmm. going to sacrifice five years of a team friendly first round pick contract, especially if you hit for a guy who is going to be making, you know, in the double digits of millions of dollars a year. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense for the future build of your franchise. It doesn't make sense for the financial build of your franchise. And like you said, you know, the Patriots, they felt they were, you know, they needed that one little piece to ensure that they were back in, in the Super Bowl and here they are again. And it's not until you have these teams that are that one piece away that really go all in and give up those draft picks. But then a lot of times it bites them in the butt. Look at our own Buccaneers, for example. They were one piece away from winning a Super Bowl. And they gave up two first round picks. They gave up two second round picks. And they got that piece in John Gruden. And then what happened after that? They had nothing to build with. They were signing Charlie Gardner and Tim Brown because they didn't have draft picks to go out and get someone. So you sacrifice the future for one season. It just doesn't make sense. And you look at what the Patriots did. They're doing the exact same thing. The future is not on that team right now. Like, and no, you know, on the surfaces of, of Bill Belichick getting angry about the trades of Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo came out. I, you can 100% understand it because that's essentially your future right there. You know, they're going to have to go out and draft their future this year or potentially next year. And going back to Brandon Cooks, like, let's say, you know, the Patriots win the Super Bowl here in a couple of weeks. And Tom Brady says, you know what, like. The, you know, there's been some turmoil. There's been some 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 physical uh, degradation to my health and, and all this. I'm good. I got my sixth, you know. Um, I'm out. Like, I'm calling it a career. Let's say that happens. Uh, the Patriots clear $22 million in cap space from that. And then you got Brandon Cooks. Not for nothing, Brandon Cooks is at the mercy of his quarterback. All right? Brandon Cooks is not a guy who really is going to go out there and make himself – a, a an impact player okay he's he's got to have a quarterback that knows how to get him the ball in just right in just the right way so if they cut brandon cooks they clear another eight and a half million in salary cap space and you see the patriots essentially go into an emergency rebuild mode um or not cut but trade him uh you know so so that's something that you could definitely see the patriots do where they try to take that immediate future move and turn it or immediate uh success move and turn it into a future builder but Enough about Brandon Cook. So the reason Deshaun Jackson came up in our pre-recording conversation is is the comment of Gerald McCoy and calling you know certain people idiots about when they when they talk about him. And this was something that I thought about when Deshaun Jackson said what he said about James Winston, and it really bothered me. Not his comments didn't bother me because I think his comments are true. I've actually said that between you and me and between our groups. I, I'm not sure if I ever said it on the podcast, but you know that I said to you and to, in the group chats and all that that. I just felt like Jameis Winston was out there trying to do too much, trying to make too many people happy 
instead of just mm-hmm. playing ball. Yeah. So that's not an outlandish thought. You know what I mean? And I promise, I uh, I don't know the the two guys, right? But as much as I can promise from where I sit, I promise you that Jameis has heard that from Deshaun already. That, like that wasn't news to Jameis Winston. Um, and it just and, and it just gives the the a, a very good snapshot these two comments, Jerome McCoy's comments and Deshaun Jackson's comments, because when players give cliche answers like. It's on the leadership of the team. It's on us veterans. It's on us to make the young guys better. Da, da, da. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Garbage comment, right? Mm-hmm. But then when they tell the truth, they get castrated for or castrated. They get crucified for it, right? So that's not something I'm going to do. I'm not going to crucify Deshaun Jackson for telling the truth. I'm going to appreciate the fact that he told the truth because at least now we know that there's not satisfaction in this. You know what I mean? Like these aren't how many times have we heard Gerald McCoy get slandered because at the end of a loss, he's smiling, shaking hands. Or how many times have we heard people complain because Quan Alexander's trading jerseys with an LSU teammate of his after a loss? Like it, it's it's you can't have you know it's a cake and eat it too some you know uh, scenario. You you can't ask your players to be honest and then get mad at them when they're honest. And you right. can, but it doesn't make any sense. So I'm happy anytime a player or a coach comes out and says what they truly believe Todd, you know, Monken, Monken, when he came out and defended coach cutter, I disagreed with everything he said, but I was impressed and happy that he did it in the way that he did it. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I just, the fans are asking these players to be honest. And then they, and then Sean was honest and then everybody wanted to, to, to snap back at him. So I just, it bothered me. They only want them to be honest as long as their honesty fulfills what that particular fan wants to have happen. Yeah. You know, if, if the honesty does not fit the narrative that you are trying to create or the narrative that you are choosing to follow, then you're going to bash the truth. But then, like you said, when you get the cliche answers, it's, Oh, well, it's coach speak. Oh, well, you know, it's it's a cliche. Well, you know, these players are in a no-win situation. You know, no matter what they say, it's going to be taken either out of context or criticized and analyzed and, you know, any number of things. What else are they supposed to do? And and I think I think you're spot on that that Deshaun's comments yeah, we're in no way a slight against Winston. He came here to play with the guy that he mentioned Jameis needs to be, and that's himself. Yeah. And you know, the whole the whole offseason, we're sitting there screaming weapons for Winston, weapons for Winston. Well, now he's got a fully loaded armory, and he couldn't figure out which weapon he wanted to focus on each game. It was it was almost like information overload where mm-hmm. he's trying so hard to make the right play, but he also wants to make sure that that play is involving this guy because he wants to get him involved, but he doesn't want to leave this guy out. So now he's got to focus on getting him the ball. It was just too much. Yeah. Winning solves everything. If, if Deshaun Jackson goes five consecutive games with no catches, but the Bucks go five and zero. Oh, Deshaun Jackson's not complaining. No, 
You know, if if Mike Evans has his career low in receiving yards next season, but the Buccaneers go twelve and four, Mike Evans is not complaining. So, yes, the weapons are a great thing, but Jameis, Deshaun Jackson's one hundred percent right. Jameis needs to go back to just trusting himself, trusting his read, and not worrying about which guy is getting on the stat sheet. Just make the best play for the Buccaneers because the only stat at the end that matters is the wins and losses. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was 100% on board with Deshaun's comments because that was the Jameis that we wanted to see. We wanted to see that Jameis Winston that was just himself, not somebody who seemed so overly concerned with which person is getting the ball. It's almost like, you know, when when you're a, a youth coach and you got to make sure that all the kids get equal playing time. I would spend more time when I was coaching my son's flag football teams. I would spend more time trying to figure out what lineups to run to make sure that every kid was getting their chance, then I was able to spend actually teaching them football. It was frustrating. Mm -hmm. I wanted to teach these kids certain things and, and to get them acclimated. And I couldn't do that because I had to be so focused on the rotation of how the kids were getting the ball to make sure that I didn't have angry minivan soccer moms screaming at me after the game that her little Billy only got the ball three times, whereas these two other kids got the ball five times. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating. And I think that's where that that's the situation Jameis was in. He had to worry about making little Billy's mom happy as well as making Johnny's mom happy and Mikey's mom happy and, you know, whoever else. Right. He just has to be himself. Yeah, and I mean, and you go back to that Minnesota game. If there's four defenders on one receiver, it's because they know that quarterback is trying to get that receiver that ball. That's a problem. Oh, for sure, for sure. And that was, and that was the the Jameis that we spoke about. I don't know if it was the last podcast or the podcast before that he was so concerned. It might have even been in one of our conversations we were arguing about wide receiver rankings. He was so concerned with making sure that that Mike hit his milestone that he just dials in too much. You know, it's – you have to make the play that's best for the team, not the individual. Right. So with that, David, anything else for the good of the order before we head into Pro Bowl weekend? No, I think we pretty much touched on everything we wanted to touch on. Yeah, for sure. Um Coming up next week, I know we have a guest lined up uh, as far as we know right now. Of course, things can always change, so I'm not going to divulge who it is quite yet, but uh sounds like we will have a guest for the Wednesday episode uh, to discuss a little bit of college football and the Senior Bowl. So hope you all have a wonderful and safe and enjoyable weekend. Make sure that you're following us on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at the Pewter Plank, at JYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks. And make sure that you're visiting the pewterplank.com. We are still going strong with our 40 teams in 40 days doing tra- draft prospects 
from 40 different schools. We are on, as of today, it will be day 17. So make sure you're checking that out. And thank you all so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.